uncommon sense advice on your work life, your personal life, and God knows what else. Welcome to How to Do Life with Dr. Marty Nemco. Hi, I'm Marty Nemco. I enjoy tweeting. Um, I, every time I get a, what I think is a good idea, I tweet it. It's a way of getting my, both my messages out there, but also a, a repository of my what I think are my best ideas. And uh, I think I've done this once before on this podcast, YouTube video. I've uh, shared, I've, I've kind of riffed on my best, what I think are my best recent ones, and I'm going to do that right now. I've got about, I don't know, 15 of them. So the first is keep a nugget file of every good idea. For example, the client who just left is a landscape architect. He complained that he lacks creativity. He appreciated my suggesting that he Google the term landscape designs and in a word processing file, copy and paste his favorites. So think about what you would like to have, get better at, learn a lot about, know a lot about, and start Googling. And then every time you see something that's good, copy and paste it, or if it's a video, just type in a nugget, a one-liner, that's going to um, be something you don't want to remember and then periodically look at it. Really easy way to grow. Next one. So unethical and hypocritical that colleges turn out with degrees and not students with few skills and minimally increased job prospects. And although instruction is now, thanks to COVID, heavily remote and extracurriculars eviscerated, they don't cut tuition. Colleges are America's most overrated product. Something I've written about a lot. So I am of the belief that, and I guess I don't, I don't I think I don't need to comment on that. I just think it's true. Okay, I'm going to move on. It's a related point. Except for places like Harvard, Yale, and Stanford, the selectivity of a college, that is how hard it is to get in, is not a net plus. And yet, too many high school students prostitute themselves, yes, prostitute themselves to get into a notch more selective college, which is all those efforts can rarely do. So if you're in New York, it would be to get into SUNY Binghamton rather than SUNY Oneonta. If you're in California, it might be to get into, into UC Davis versus uh, UC Merced. It, it's terrible what people do that, and the price they pay. They will prepare for the SAT with an expensive course where they could have spent the time far much better, you know, in you know some kind of an extracurricular activity or even in relationships or reading or whatever. Uh, then they take the SAT three times and all the stress that's associated with that and the money. They will suffer with some extracurricular they don't really like, like getting up at four in the morning to do crew or uh, play tuba because they know the colleges will be impressed by that big deal. So there'll be a notch more selective college. And even though in reality, more selective colleges may actually in some ways be worse. Yes, the students are better. Yes, the, the diploma is more prestigious. But often the instruction is worse because universities get their prestige mainly from how much research they do. And that research has little to do with, in fact, it's the fancy word is orthogonal, to what undergraduates need, which is a charismatic, dedicated professor who infuses so much into the students that they are transformed. Anyway, uh, the back to prostituting the high school kids, the, the kids are prostituting themselves. Um, they take a too hard course load, so they'll take three or four advanced placement classes, 
when they really it's too hard for them and they're just going to race to get through or cheat to get through and it deprives them of a normal teenage life it's crazy they will volunteer to feed the homeless you know so their essay or <laughs> or and i'm joking here they become homeless so that their essay can say they overcame adversity which is apparently you know, not accomplishment, but if they overcame adversity, even a small accomplishment is worth more than somebody who accomplished more often. Anyway, uh, I beg you, if you are usually people who are watching me or listening to me are not kids, meaning not teenagers, they tend to be the parents of, or even grandparents of teenagers, beg them to have perspective. Make the most of your high school life. You know, get involved in the right extracurricular. My favorite is the debate team. You really learn your critical thinking. But even sports can teach a lot and it's incredibly fun. Or theater, you'll learn so much by repeating again and again and again and give the words of a play and getting poise. But, you know, taking the SAT three times, preparing for it, doing some extracurricular you really don't care a lot about, like crew or tuba, taking a too hard course load means you'll learn a lot less. Please don't prostitute yourself to get into a notch more selective college. It is, uh, I'll use the word, stupid in my judgment. Okay. The next, and I'll read the tweet again. I interjected so much, but I'll just read the tweet again. Except for places like Harvard, Stanford, and Yale, college selectivity isn't a net plus. Yet some students prostitute themselves to get in, to get a notch higher college. They'll prepare for the SAT three times. They'll take it three times. They'll suffer with extracurriculars they don't like, like crew or tuba. They take a too hard course load. They feed the homeless. Don't prostitute yourself. Do what is going to be developmentally most in your best interest as well as most pleasurable. The next tweet. I waved goodbye to my bright-eyed kindergartner and said hello to my dulled second grader. One reason? Mixed ability classes. That is putting kids from special needs to gifted kids, native speakers of English to new newcomers in the same class. My child, who was reading on a third grade level, was forced to read the second grade book, and this happened every year, and forced into indentured servitude, ironically, teaching, quote, vulnerable kids to read the cat in the hat and similar kind of baby books that was, was not of value to my daughter and uh, was depriving her of her right to an appropriate level of education. Sure, there's some empathy you get from, from we're helping others who are less than, but it's a big price for a, kid, a young child for, to, to pay to be denied her right to an appropriate level of education. All kids should be entitled to an appropriate level of education, but with the abandonment of ability group classes, uh, it's sad, really sad, and it's ultimately a way to reduce America to its lowest common denominator. Uh, I imagine China is laughing at what we're doing. But I digress. Next tweet. Many people would rather preserve their self-esteem than improve their performance. I invite you to keep that in mind when considering giving someone feedback. Usually, if you're the boss, the right solution is to give the feedback, but in a way that allows the person to save face, that is to preserve their self-esteem. Again, this, I've seen this as a change. You know, in the, in the dismissal of hierarchy uh, and judgmentalness and all the rest of it, people are feeling okay about wanting to feel good about themselves, and they will reject negative feedback. They, they resent it. And maybe it's always been that way. But I do think the best way we can grow is, I'm not saying you follow everybody's criticism of you, but I think it's wise that we don't put this delusional self-esteem, if, if it is delusional, keeping your irrationally high self-esteem as higher than your accomplishment. 
because in the end you may get away with it, but do you really want to be less than you can be? Again, I want to reiterate, I'm not saying you accept everybody's feedback, but especially if it comes from a respected person, do think hard about what they say and then, like a wise leader, decide whether to accept or reject it. Real self-esteem comes from accomplishment, not from mantras, phony praise, or delusional self-esteem. Okay, the next tweet. We've come to a point where the words merit and excellence have become tainted. I thought that was over after the Dark Ages, and I was wrong. Somehow virtuosity is seen as somehow a, uh, uh, an elitist, uh, Eurocentric value. You know what? From where I sit, it is a cosmically wise value because merit and excellence and virtuosity are key to developing the next vaccines for for the next pandemic, for having created this affordable webcam and, and a microphone that I can give this to you, the, the better drugs, uh, better bridges, better iPhones. Unless we venerate, it's a fancy word for praise and honor, uh, merit and excellence, we will be a much less happy people. And yet I'm hearing that again and again, that these are tainted words, merit and excellence. Moving on to the next tweet. Paradoxically, revolution often requires patience. Each portrayal of a have-not as taken advantage of by a have, which is a dominant theme in so much, not only entertainment media, but news media, each time, I'm, I'm re repeating, each portrayal of a have-not as taken advantage by a have moves us a tiny step leftward until the tipping point when a flood bursts through the dam. And for better or worse, I believe we are close to that tipping point, to that revolution in the United States. Of course, to be honest, I decry that. I, I think that, again, for the reasons I said, I think honoring and allocating resources based on merit Whatever wrongs occurred from, from racism and sexism, the advantages of making things more equal and allocating based on anything other than merit and excellence imposes too high a price on humankind from where I sit. Next tweet. In a meeting, professional or personal, one-on-one -on -one or larger meetings, before you launch into what's on your mind, it's wise to let the other person do that. And believe me, in conversation I do that, but this, this format, this, this YouTube, requires me to, to be you know, sharing my thoughts without obviously listening to yours, although I do read the comments and I do welcome them. Of course, I love the, the positive ones, but I carefully consider the negative ones as well and would rather have an honest, thoughtful, negative criticism than nothing at all, let alone the ad hominem, the... Uh, the kind of foolish criticisms that are uh, made by people who criticize those whose views don't agree with them, not on the merits, but with some name-calling and uh, vicious, sometimes called social justice warrior behavior. Anyway, so in a meeting, professional or personal, before you launch into what's on your mind, it's wise to let the other person do that. That tends to free the person's mind to listen to you and be open to you. I'll do one more, and then we're going to take a little break for just a moment. Next tweet is, a client of mine is the opposite of Bridezilla. She has plenty of money, but she wants to spend just $150 on a wedding dress, even though it looks just okay. 
and her other wedding plans are equally soulless. I am also, I'm a practical guy, but I invited her to let the love within her seep more into the wedding. I do think, you know, like in most things, either extreme or even pure balance is wrong. But even though half a couple's divorce, the idea of being a cheapskate, it's not only, um, forget about the money part, it, it taints the experience. If all you're doing is trying to save money, there is a, if there's ever a time for feeling to at least sit alongside a rationality, it's a wedding. So on the spending thing, I'm a, I'm a saver. I'm not a big spender. But sometimes you need to put that aside. Your general rules of thumb don't apply to everything. Anyway, and when I come back, I've got some more tweets that I want to uh, share with you and then uh, riff on. I'm just going to take a brief break for the announcer to do her thing, and I'll be back in just a few seconds. I hope you're going to stay with me. I'm Marty Nimco. You're listening to How to Do Life with career and personal coach, Dr. Marty Nemco. If you'd like to work with him, email him a description of your situation, mnemco at comcast.net. That's M-N-E-M-K-O at comcast.net. Marty is pleased if you choose to subscribe to this podcast. If you're not listening to this on Simplecast, just go to how-to-life.simplecast and click on listen and subscribe. Okay, I do thank you for staying with me. I'm Marty Nemco. What I'm doing is, um, I really believe in the power of short form tweets, quotes, tweets. And so I tweet a lot uh, because I believe that it's more helpful to people to read something short like that. These are my best ideas than to go into, I've written a lot of longer stuff, but I'm wondering whether the tweets are more useful. And so what I'm doing here on this YouTube video or this podcast, if you're listening to it on a podcast, which is available on Apple and Spotify, I'm taking my favorite tweets that I've done recently and I'm riffing on them. So um, this one uh, is the next one. I just wrote this to a friend. Might it buoy you? B-U-O-Y, you know that word buoy? Boy, buoy. Anyway, creating beauty is one of life's pure goods. And you are the embodiment of that. Your looks, she is quite pretty. Your art, she's a fine artist and a director decorator. Your attempts to be a beautiful soul. She's not perfect, but she tries. Invoking what religious people would say, the god or goddess within you. So, you know, beauty matters. Again, I'm, I'm no-nonsense practical, 90% of me, but I also recognize the role of beauty. I make sure that my walls are filled with lovely paintings as I'm looking around. I'm looking at a Rembrandt of St. Matthew being inspired by an angel, even though I'm an atheist. It's it's a very, it represents what I aspire to. I look at a, pic, a, a, a beautiful hand drawing of, uh, of Albert Einstein, another, obviously, an inspiration to try to be wise and intelligent. I, I pick my calendars, my monthly calendars, very carefully to have beautiful art. Oh, you probably can't see it. It doesn't look that good right now, but it's good. It's, it's nice. And I have an Asian aesthetic, so on my back wall you see this vertical uh, Asian, whatever that is, beautiful watercolor. I'm, I'm partial to watercolor. So there is a rule. There's a rule for beauty. You know, I have little orchids sitting next to my desk. I keep a candle as a little sign to be wise and not just you know my no nonsense self. Okay. Not that no nonsense is not really doesn't is not 
antithetical to self, but it's uh, it reminds me to do to focus on more than just the I don't know the day to day. Okay, next tweet. I've just had a client uh, say that meditation increases her anxiety. That's because even though she tries to quiet her mind, because she's just sitting there, her fears, which are usually unsolvable or irrational, have more time to enter and, and, and actually metastasize in her brain than what she otherwise had been doing, which was being busy. I'm wondering if, if any of you are experiencing that. I, I have, if I had to bet, I would bet that the meditation thing is a fad and that it's going to... Uh, this, there's been some recent articles that call into question its net benefit. There's certainly more that talk about it being good. But I'm just wondering, don't just jump into meditation because it's the thing, like yoga is the thing. Remember, it wasn't so long ago that essential oils were the thing. So, you know, and diets, you know, one one time it's low carb, next time it's high. Think in terms of common sense. What's wise for you? Is it wise to try meditation? And if you're going to try it, do it as an experiment. Don't buy the argument, oh, it takes years to really feel the benefit. No, if you're not experiencing at least some benefits that make you feel it's worth the time, within, I don't know, a few days, the odds are you're better off trying something else than doing more meditation. Okay, the next tweet is, fact-centric versus emotion-centric people tend to disrespect each other. If there is to be any meeting of the minds, let alone change in behavior, we need to redouble our efforts to give the person fair hearing. And that applies to people who are pro-vax. I'm, I'm triple vaccinated, you know. Uh, but I, I, I have a good friend who is very intelligent and makes a very reasonable argument against being vaccinated. It's important. And we've had good exchanges about that because it isn't as clear as the media would have us believe. Uh, it also applies, of course, to liberals and conservatives. People who hate... I, you know, yes, the media portrays every Donald Trump supporter as an idiot or violent, and some of them are, but some of them are very intelligent. Victor Davis Hanson, a brilliant senior scholar at Stanford's Hoover Institution, wrote a book called The Case for Trump. I dare say that uh, liberals would be wise to read that, and you'll be more nuanced in your feelings about it all. Next uh, uh, tweet. With a good novel or a movie, if you focus mainly on the plot, you're going to miss a lot. The language, the feelings, the characterization, in short, the process. That focus on process applies to almost everything in life. I am a prolific writer, but if I only focused my, focused my looking, my seeking of pleasure in writing at the end, oh, I got that done, or the book just got printed, look at the cover, those are just moments. You've got to take a certain amount of pleasure, even if it's not ha-ha pleasure, in the process. As I'm trying to do here with you, as I am sharing with you in this podcast, this YouTube video, I'm trying to be grateful that I have the ability to feel like I can do this and provide some value to you. It's in the moment that I'm feeling the pleasure, not when I just click stop and it's done. I think that's very valuable as a way to enjoy your life more. The next tweet, 
I aim for clear-eyed rationalism, as I've been saying. And yet, uh, today, and this was uh, right before Christmas, um, yet today, I wrote this right before Christmas, yet today, and I don't feel it is the Christmas spirit's residue, I guess I wrote it right after Christmas, I felt a moment of irrational empathy for everyone, the people I passed while walking my dog, even the criminal who's almost predestined to being a miscreant because of his genes, or her genes, I guess, upbringing and peers. I'll read that again. I like it. I aim for clear-eyed rationalism, yet today, and I don't think it's the Christmas spirit's residue, I felt a moment of irrational empathy for everyone. The people I passed while walking my dog, even the criminal who's almost predestined to be a miscreant because of his genes, upbringing, and peers. Again, I'm not saying we should just be mushy, but again, this attempt to try to not be too extreme. You should, in my judgment, aim for clear-eyed rationalism, but it's okay for it to be tinted with a little humanity and emotion, both because it feels good and somehow maybe it is cosmically wisest aiming for clear-eyed rationalism, but tinted with some emotionality, positive emotionality. The next uh, tweet, Holocaust survivors suffered years of horrific trauma. Some of them focused on never forget, but there are other people who are like my dad, who was a Holocaust survivor. And of course, this is the most important thing he's ever said to me, and I've shared this with you, my viewers and readers, a zillion times. My dad said the Nazis took five years from my life. I won't give him one minute more. Don't look back. Take the next step forward. And as I've said, I end every speech that I give with this. I say, everyone has had crap happen to us, but I've had the privilege of being first of all, knowing dozens of Holocaust survivors, but also being a career and personal coach to over 6,000 people. And one of the key differentiators, in addition to intelligence and drive and ethics, between the successful ones and not, are the successful ones are far less likely to revisit the past, and they're far more likely to follow my father's advice, to never look back, always take the next step forward. Okay. The... Uh, the next tweet that I want to share with you is, yes, I so fluctuate between thinking that the left is correct and the right is right, between thinking I'm brilliant and better than ever to thinking I'm a has-been. How about you? So I would to flesh this out a little bit. Why do I think the left might be right? There is something that feels cosmically wrong about having a huge gap between haves and have-nots. Even if some people are lazy or they're not that capable or whatever, it's too big a gap from where I sit. If somebody owns two or three homes and fancy luxury cars and the other person is scrounging to find food, and although I don't think there, I think there is less of that in, in the U.S. than the media would have us believe, it's still, it feels like there is too big an extreme there. Or a worker who's working at minimum wage while some rich fat guy, cat is, you know, flying his private jet to Tahiti. That feels wrong. On the other hand, I believe sometimes, and part of me believes that the right is right, that again, as I mentioned earlier, if we allocate resources based on people's potential to improve the world, their merit, their excellence, their past performance, 
which is an excellent predictor of future performance. We're going to have a net happier, net better world with less disease, wiser leaders, more bridges that don't fall down, etc. Then if we reallocate, with, for example, with high taxation, high, quote, progressive taxation, from the haves, the people who have, they've earned enough money that they can afford stuff, but giving it to people who have contributed a lot less, that's where I think the right is right. That feels like a mistake. Okay. And the final thing is kind of odd, final tweet. I aspire to be like Armand Gamache. He is the wise, restrained investigator in Louise Penny's novels. Uh, and I just want to end, I guess, by saying is, it's nice to have somebody to aspire to. I'm never going to be as calm as he is. I'm intense by nature. But I like to aspire to that. It reminds me, and it's a nice... Having just the picture of him, Armand Gamache, and the way he interacts in my mind, just the words of Armand Gamache, it reminds me, and it helps me to be a little bit closer to being like, like Gamache. So who is the one person that you would most like to be like? And maybe you should just keep that person in your mind as you go through life. In any event, I do thank you for watching or listening if you're listening on a podcast. As always, I like to end these uh, with a, a message. It's not shouldn't surprise you that's uh, if you've listened to the rest of this. Uh, we find comfort among those who agree with us, growth among those who don't. I'm Marty Nemco. You've been listening to How to Do Life with Dr. Marty Nemco. For comments on the show or to consult with Dr. Marty Nemco, his email address is m n e mko at comcast.net post-production of how to do life by terry rouse music by blue dot session thanks for listening